Breaking the cycle to step forward. Authentic conversations from lived experience and a professional perspective in overcoming abuse with Chris Tuck and Beverly Ann. Hi everyone and welcome to Breaking the Cycle to Step Forward podcast with myself Chris Tuck and... Hello, I'm Beverly Ann. So we are on podcast number 37 and we're going to speak about consent today and what it actually means when it comes to protecting children from child sexual abuse. And I need to make that very, very clear because there are many parents out there that have never been subjected to the world of child sexual abuse because it's never happened in their world. But when it does happen, it's like a bomb going off and we need to make sure that everybody is aware of this information. So this is going to be really interesting, Bev. Absolutely. And what we're looking at here as well, it's really about education and awareness. And we're really aware of the sensitivity and we are coming at it from um, being survivors ourselves, but also being parents and what does consent actually mean? And we're talking in this instant about sexual abuse, but it's also about physical, it's about emotional. Um, consent is important in all aspects. So we want to make that clear. So this came about, this podcast, following something that we saw a video of on Twitter with um, Lawrence Fox. And he was being interviewed by trigonometry. And before we go into a conversation, do you want to see and listen to the video again? Yes, please. Yeah, because I think it put it into context where he's coming from and where we're coming from. Yes, and that's important because that's the wonderful thing about having a discussion is everybody gets to have their view heard. So yeah. I'm going to play it now. To notice weird things happening with my kids. So the first one was my eldest son a few years ago. I said, um, give me a kiss goodnight or a hug goodnight, whatever. And he went, no, you need to ask my consent. And I was like, do I? And he said, yeah, at school they say you've got to ask consent. And I said, I'm your dad. And he said, yeah, but you still have to ask consent. And I went, okay, we're, we're going to have a little lesson on consent here. Consent is don't touch a stranger's private parts, right? That's consent. Don't touch, invade someone's space in that part. I'm your father. So anyway, I wrote to school and I said, what's going on here? Because he's obviously not understood consent. And they said, well, we don't really get to the sexual part of it until later. And I said, well, you can take it from me. I've just taught both of my children consent mm. lesson one in about five minutes. And then, you know, I start going, okay, well, where is this stuff coming from? So it comes out of relationship sex education classes and PSHE and stuff like that. So I, I got some lesson plans from another school and found out what was on it, which is privilege, skin colour privilege, gender ideology, um, diversity, equity and inclusion, all of the things that you just don't want kids being taught at a young age when they're confused as it is. And so I thought we got to change that. So we're going to do that as well. That's what we're, we're, which is our next sort of cultural project, which is going to be called Bad Education. We just like to put bad in front of everything. <laughs> Hello, Chris. Hi. So we're going to stop so, there. 
So uh, where do we start unpicking all of this? From a non-offending parent's point of view or from a parent that knows nothing about child sexual abuse, what he said, I probably do agree with because I don't know nothing else, yeah? And I haven't been um, subjected to anything outside of the norm of actually, I'm just a parent, they're my kid, and all I wanna do is give them a safe, nurturing hug or a goodnight kiss. There's nothing wrong in that whatsoever, whatsoever. But the thing that did make me go, is the fact that he thinks that abuse just happens from strangers. Whereas we know through our work that most abusers are people that the victim knows. And that could be dad, mum, granddad, uncle, auntie, grandmother, someone within that family circle, because the kid already trusts, likes, and loves that person. So abuse becomes very easy to perpetrate when there is that there already. So what have you got to say on all of this? Absolutely, and I hear every single part of that. And for anybody listening or watching, we're very aware that we're talking about young children. You know, we do training, we do CPD, and we look at the age of the children and they are very young and we want them to have a childhood that is full of innocence and thriving and nurturing. That's a key thing we want to say here, which is important. And we want every child to have the benefit of a close relationship with both parents and all those adults around them and feel secure. That's one thing we really want. We want that as parents ourselves for our own children, we want that for every other child. Now, the sad fact is, and we're talking about facts, there are many facts and much research to substantiate that it's not the stranger danger that our children, or even as adults, we're in danger with or from. It's the people that we know around us. And it's not about witch hunting, because that's the first thing people say, you're expecting us to witch hunt. Does that mean everybody? Absolutely not witch hunting. But by understanding what consent is, and by enabling our children to understand what consent is from an early age, we're not actually taking anything away from them, but we're enabling them and, learn and teaching them to learn how to use their voice and their choice. Yeah, really important. Because I come on from, we both are expressing the same things. We've just got different ways of saying it. And for me, it's about empowering that child to actually notice how they feel around certain adults and certain behaviors so that they can protect themselves as much as possible. Now, we all know that it's up to the adults to protect the children. The children shouldn't have to protect themselves. But in a world that we live in and that we know there are so many perpetrators, we know at least one in four children 
are being abused or have been abused. That's undisputed. But we think it's higher than that. But no one really knows the true prevalence. But let's just stick with one in four. That's high enough in anyone's brain. It's too high. Exactly. But come on, we're just saying it's a baseline. 25% of all children. They need that education and that awareness. They need to feel empowered. They need to know the facts around all of this and that it's not stranger danger that's going to put them in a place potentially of being sexually abused. It's going to be those people around them that lack the education, lack the awareness or just want to be ignorant on this front. Yeah, and let's go back a little bit there, Chris, because let's look at what um, choice, not choice, consent means. Mm -hmm. Because for me, consent is about having a choice. So when I think back to when my children were as young as, say, three even, when the one thing I have never said to my children, you know, when someone arrives or someone leaves the house, yeah, it's, oh, give them a kiss goodbye or give them a hug but I have never told my children that what I've said is say hello or say goodbye and if they don't want to kiss they don't have to kiss they have that choice yeah so you don't even have to say it it's the language that you're using and you're helping them to understand the boundary because often children have this innate way of letting you know when they feel comfortable and when mm -hmm. they don't, because we all do it sometimes. We go into a house and there's a little person and we're like, hello, hello, and they back off. Yeah. And it took me a while to realise, Beverly knows. So when I walk in and there's little people, I'll say hello. And I say little people as in young children, I'll say hello, but then I'll leave them to their space and talk to everybody else in the room, give them a chance to see who I am. Yeah rather than invading their space straight away. So the thing that I just want to bring attention to is Lawrence in his space of being a non-offending parent has that view of, no, I don't need to ask consent. What's this all about? People are trying to um, feed things into my children that I don't believe in and I don't want my child to know. and this can be just because you're a parent or even culturally where you expect or there's an expectation that the child hugs and kisses every adult around them. Mm. And as I said, it could be just culturally or in a family um, that that's expectation. It's almost showing respect to the adult, but we're not teaching our children then about body awareness and body safety and we know that in our field of work one thing that all survivors who are now grown adults have said they wish that they had the education and awareness in being able to say how they feel and also for them to be able to actually say the word no because if they are not allowed to say the word no because of adult expectations around them they might not have been in danger within that family environment or that circle that they were in but they could be potentially in danger elsewhere 
if they don't get to learn to say, no, this doesn't feel right, or I don't feel comfortable, or I just don't want to, without being told off or a consequence, they're never going to be able to say no when they are potentially in danger. So I think we need to turn this on, on its head and raise awareness with people like Lawrence who have a certain way of thinking about things and just go actually think about it from this perspective because that will help you understand why consent is being brought into um, the educational lessons at school. Yes and that you know I can think of numerous other examples where adults don't wait for consent. You know, when we think about the old tickling, you know, tickling children and yeah. the children say, stop, stop. And the adults don't. That's one thing I always was aware of. If a child said stop and, a, and I've been in the company of an adult doing that, I've said, they've asked you to stop. Can you stop, please? Mm -hmm. Don't have a, to make a big thing about it. But that child said, stop. Yeah. So um, picking them up, just just you can see it happening but being aware of it, but not necessarily jumping in like a superhero, you know, you can't do that. It's not about that. And I remember when one of my children was very young, they were nursery and they came home and said that another child kept picking them up and they felt very uncomfortable. So I said, okay, so have you told that other child that you don't want to be picked up? And my child said, no, I haven't. And I said, it's okay. So the next time that person goes to do it again, you'd say to them, no, I don't want you to pick me up. And that, and I was also then asked, but what if they do it? And I said, and if they do it, the second time you say no, you do it in a loud voice. Mm -hmm. and you shout out, no, I told you, I don't want you picking me up. Yeah. And if they still don't listen to you, you go to one of the adults around you at nursery and you tell them, you've told them two times, they keep picking you up, can you help me? And I said, and the next thing you do is you come back to me and you tell me again. Doesn't mean to say that <clears throat> at an early age, I've taken away anything from that child who happens to be my child. What I've done is enabled them to know that they've got a choice. And the next time they went to nursery school, we do a best and worst of the day. Mm -hmm. And so when we did best and worst, the best came up was when such and such went to pick me up, I only had to say no once and they listened to me. Good. Yeah. So it makes a difference. And that's what we're looking to do. So because the one thing I always hear is how do you make it age appropriate? Yes, I was just about to say that. <laughs> <clears throat> and the NSPCC do something in school, um, which is age appropriate. But I also will say is I shared a story recently that I've shared before. And I know you, you heard it about when I was 15 and I was living in the children's home. And I came home with a love bite on my neck and I literally sauntered in the children's home because that gave me kudos. That meant somebody loved me, somebody wanted me. And the um, Auntie Helen, who ran the children's home, she was firm but fair. 
um, she saw that and saw that as a sign thinking, what was I doing? So there was a little bit of a judgment there, but we'll yeah. let that one go. <laughs> but what she wanted to do was educate me. So she asked me if I knew the difference between sex and making love. And I was quite shocked. I was like, <laughs> you're talking to me like an adult. But on the yeah. other hand, I also appreciated it. And she went into different things. But one of the things she told me about was self-respect and always knowing that you have a choice. And it's okay. And she explained this to me. And while something she said to me was really scary, it was at that time I suddenly realised I was 14, just 15, what had been going on with my dad and his friend, this wonderful yeah. friend that babysat at times. Mm-hmm. When both I was being sent home from the children's home for weekend visits, and then during a three-year period when I was sent home to live with my parents. And it yeah. was a shock, a big shock. Looking back, if you think 14, 15 was young, I wish that when I was 10 and I was crying because I didn't want to go home, somebody had asked me why I didn't want, I want to go home. I wish when I was younger, somebody had given me the choice, do you want to go home to your mum and your dad? And that's why I'm passionate about it, because in an ideal world, I wouldn't be living in a children's home. Mm-hmm. But I'm thankful and grateful that I did because it saved me from my abuser. Yeah. Who was my biological father. Exactly. And I want to pick up on the age appropriate thing. Lots of professionals literally get their knickers in a twist about what is what should be said at what age to children. And what most people don't realise, and it's in the independent inquiry into child sexual abuse reports, the age that most children would start being abused. Babies, toddlers, young children. Usually most abuse, most abuse will finish when the teenager, when the, when the child, young person becomes a teenager. Some does continue, but most of the abuse will happen, baby, toddler, pre-school. And yet here we are worried about talking about teaching children age-appropriate sexual information, relationships, etc. Most abuse will have already have taken place. So my argument here is age-appropriate, I've got a problem with, but the earlier the education and the awareness is imparted to young children, the earlier they can get an intervention to help them with the impact if they have been through abuse. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So what I'm hearing, excuse me, I've got fog in my throat. (laughs) What I'm hearing is finding ways to teach children about consent, sexual, physical, emotional, Mm -hmm. you know, is healthy to understand about what is acceptable in any context of communication of a relationship and also from a parent's point of view you know we've had to learn we've learned some things that 
oh, if I'd had information when my children were, were babies on some of the things, how different things would be now, you know. But we have to accept that we do everything with the right intention yeah. as a parent at that time with the knowledge that we have. Yeah. But with the learning and understanding, I would have thought most parents want children, their children to be safe. And I agree with you. I really do. However, most parents don't know that there is this scale and prevalence of abuse because they're just not in this. Well, I keep saying in this world. Um, they just don't know about abuse because, you know, it's in our world every day. We talk about it 24-7, but most don't want to even think about it because it is so horrific and heinous it's, to think about. It is absolutely heinous. Even as we're talking today, you know, we're, we're speaking, you know, professionally because that's what we do. You know, we don't want any child to have to go through this. We don't want any parent to have to be considering this because this is you know this is what could happen with our child mm. but sadly we have to be realistic and I think that's the, the thing we need to be is if we're aware of the realities mm -hmm. you know we talk about stranger danger not saying there's never a danger with a stranger but it really is minimal it's yeah. minimal yeah and I agree with you so again just rounding out the conversation i was watching on um mainstream media a good few months ago now and there was a lady on there that was saying every time she changes her baby's nappy she asks for consent from the baby when i first saw that i thought how bloody stupid <laughs> how can you ask a baby consent <clears throat> for to change its nappy and why would you if it's messed its nappy it needs changing you just get on and you change it but in the context of where we're coming from now it makes sense to me yeah you're not asking the baby to speak to you when the baby can't speak to you no. right it's not going to answer you but you're bringing it up on the notion with the awareness with the education about consent right from an early age so I do get it now, but at the time, even I, knowing what I know, I literally poo-pooed it. Yeah. Pardon but the I pun. Can, yeah, pardon <laughs> the pun. Um, but also, why this is so important is that Lawrence is not going to be the only parent thinking like we do. They will be thinking like he does. And, oh, my God, I so wish we could all just think like he does and that you know that is only stranger danger oh, and, it, and it's not prevalent like it is however working with adults survivors you and I both most of them don't know about consent do not know about boundaries do not know what a healthy relationship looks like and what an unhealthy relationship looks like this is why we've got so much domestic violence so much rape so much sexual assault going on it's across your news every day you can't get away from it it's clear to me and to you and people that work in this sector that we're going wrong somewhere so we need these um p s c h e curriculum awareness education it's a must 
And for those parents out there um, who don't want it, one, they probably don't want it because they don't know about the prevalence and the potential harm that their child is under, like Lawrence, which is fine, but not fine, we're here to educate. And the second is they don't want their child to find out because they're actually perpetrating. And I'm not saying Lawrence is that, no, I'm not saying that at all. And he's coming I'm from a good place yeah, of love. He's coming from a good place of love, yeah. But there's those two or even three positions to be in. Coming from a place of love and it's not prevalent. Coming from a place where actually I'm a perpetrator and I don't want my kids to have this knowledge. Yeah. Or from where we're sitting, where we know the prevalence, the impact, and we want it to change. And we're coming from a place of love as well. As well, yeah. Yeah. And that's that's the important thing here is silence mm. is the thing that feeds abuse. Mm. Bullying, if you want to put it in that word, because bullying is abuse. Yeah. You know, it's it's making sure that your children have as much choice as possible. Yeah. You know, and we know we can't wrap them up all the time. We know that we can't be with them all the time, but it's trying to give them as many tools and understanding about the choice they have over their own body, over their own mind, what they want to do, but within a healthy relationship. But again, going back to the Lawrence situation, right? <clears throat> so let, let me just take that and to do with my children. If I said to my child, oh, can I give you a good night hug? And they went, actually, no, mum, that's fine. But yeah, yes, then that, that's great because you're teaching them about their boundaries, about what it is they want, what they don't want. So when they grow up, they can do that in every single relationship with their peers, with adults, whatever. So they can know that they can say no like you did eventually with your dad which stopped your abuse yeah you just wish you knew sooner um and it's just like actually empowering the individual as to what they want and what they don't want and at the moment we know about sibling abuse we know about peer-on-peer -peer abuse we know about online abuse yeah it is just so prevalent and it is just getting so bad that something has to change. So like when I heard Lawrence say that on his little video, my literally my mouth was on the floor. And yet when you and I sitting in bed at the weekend, when we're shooting off all these different um, tweets and all the rest of it, um, we're like, ah, you don't actually understand what you've just said. Um, even though it came from a good place, you don't understand it. And yet, when you look at other people's comments, you've got people like us that are backing us up, but then you've got other people from society sort of like saying, let children be children. Um, da, 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 da. So you've always got the two camps. And the thing is, if only they knew how prevalent this is, they and we would. Want, and we want children to be children. So that's exactly why we're saying what we're saying. Yeah, sorry, I got a bit bit heated there. 
no that's okay because it's passionate and that's what what it's all about and there'll be people listening to this that will be passionate for lots of different reasons yeah and it means a lot it means a lot and one thing and I'm going to reiterate it for the last time as well we understand where Lawrence's views come from absolutely yeah passion is we're actually defending his son and saying well done yeah. Well done for taking on board that lesson and well done. And if that was my child saying that to me, yeah, I'm not saying I wouldn't be shocked at first, but then I'd be like, okay, well done, I've got you. And that's why as adults, the first, I don't care whether they're the same age as me, whether they're young, I always say, would you like a hug? Yeah, yeah. But, you know, going back to his son, what the school should have done, in my opinion, is like, we're teaching your children this because so they're educating the parent as well rather than you know if I'd never been abused or knew about abuse at all if my child had come home and probably said the same to me I would have probably gone where the hell is this coming from who's put that in your head I would probably have the same reaction but unfortunately we know life is not like that um yeah so yeah it's almost like we do have to educate the parents as well as the children and put everything into context because Lawrence went on and you all heard Lawrence went on to say that they're going to be targeting those kind of conversations and call it bad education consent is not bad education consent protects you as a child a teenager and as an adult absolutely absolutely so very aware of the time, Chris. We've gone well over our 30 minutes-ish conversation. Yes. <laughs> so your last, <laughs> your last thought before we finish today. Um, just beseeching, really, parents to keep an open mind and know your facts around child sexual abuse. Now, I know I've literally been spreading all over my social media 90-second myths and realities around child sexual abuse I know that you've written blogs you've written poems and you've got lots of other things that you share across social media just it doesn't mean your child is going to be abused ever but the potential of one in four children minimum being abused you're going to know someone who's probably going to need your help at some stage. Have an open mind, learn, and then be in the right position and the best position to help that person when they disclose to you, or if you see anything that's not quite right, that you can do something about it. Absolutely. And my word would be coming back to education. Quite frankly, education isn't bad. Education is good. Because knowledge, as we know, is power. And we want to be able to enable our children to have some power, to be safe, to grow up so that they are nurtured, so they feel loved and they can trust those around them. And even if they're in a place, in in someone's position of not trusting them, that they can go back to the informed parents and know and be able to have that conversation. I don't like what happened there. And then it can be come from there. We're not looking to be over dramatic. We are looking 
to ensure that all children are safe. Mm-hmm. That yeah. is not over dramatic. That's yeah. a reality. And it's not bad education either. Absolutely. It's good education. So my voice is running out. So we're going to say goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. And we'll see you on the next podcast. Bye, everyone.